It's Positive Spark Plug time, and I'm your host, Candace. And wow, do I ever have an episode for you guys today. In this episode, I have a very, very special guest. She is a warrior, she is a thriver, and she is made of resilience and true transparency. Her name is Jillian Best, and Jillian shares her story of living with HHT as a hereditary disease within her family. She explains what it was like to go through it seeing her mom living with it and then going through it herself and how it changed their relationship and connected them. She shares how important it is to build a support team and how when tragedy hits, you truly do see who is meant to be in your life. Jillian, after having a liver transplant, goes on to win medals in all of the transplant world games that she attends. She is a true gift to this world and her story is so extremely inspiring and transformational. I am just so excited for you guys to hear this story and I just know that you guys will connect with her. So let's get going. Hey, Jill, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Um, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I got you on the on the podcast uh, through your husband, Zach, um, yeah. who works at our gym, like the gym that I coach at as well. Um, I first asked him to be on the podcast, and he was like, uh... <laughs> I'm not surprised. And then he's like... Mm. And I was like, no, it's okay if you don't want to. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, my wife would be a great guest. (laughs) Well, then let's get her on. (laughs) And to find out a little bit more about you, I was like, wow, this is truly inspiring. And so I'm really excited um, for my listeners to be able to hear your story and to just really get to experience and hear your um, insights and and wisdom. So thank you for joining me and giving me your time and energy. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Um, so can you start off by sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, yeah, that's always kind of an awkward uh, thing because it means I have to talk like about myself, um, which I think says something about myself. Um, I don't, I, I kind of like to focus on other, other people. Um, but I suppose I kind of think of myself as like, like a big kid. Um, at, but like a wise big kid, because I feel like, um, I feel like at my age of 33, I've been through quite a bit. Um, but I still want to have fun. I still want to have my freedoms. I still like to have a good time. I still like to be independent. Um, I love uh, working for myself as a hairstylist. Um, I, I have my own business at home um, that allows me to um, kind of schedule my life uh, the way that I'd like and uh, really focus on my health, which is my priority. Um and of course, my family and and my my two dogs, who I love very much. 
Um, and of course I love to swim, which you may, you may know. And that's more of like, not just for exercise, but it's kind of my lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I gain a lot just from, from, from that sport and not just the physical benefits, but I just love it for, um, it's very meditative for me and it's, um, it requires a lot of discipline and I like to practice that. So, um, yeah, that, I guess that's kind of me in a bit of a nutshell. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I love it. Um, you, like you said, have been through a lot and, um, your family has what is called HHT. I have no idea how to pronounce the actual name, so I'll <laughs> let you do that. Sure. Um, but with this being hereditary, were there certain things that you did to try and prevent it, or was your mindset kind of like, hey, it's hereditary, if I get it, I get it, and I'll deal with it then? Uh, that's a good question. So HHT, uh, first of all, stands for hereditary hemorrhagic telangiectasia. Um, so yes, it runs in my family. And unfortunately, there was nothing that I could do to prevent me getting this disease. And I do believe that up until I was diagnosed, and of course, afterwards, I tried to live a, a healthy life. And I, I think that's all that one can do is, um, just take good care of yourself and, um, um, prioritize your health and your well-being, uh, mentally and physically. Um, so when I was diagnosed, I, it was kind of a slow thing. It wasn't like, there wasn't like a specific day that I remember them saying to me, you know, you have, you have HHT. It was sort of like a learning, I suppose, when I, when we discovered what it was that my mom had. Um, okay. Then we realized, oh, okay. So the rest of the family may have this as well. Um, <clears throat> which I know you have probably have more questions about, about that whole part of it too, but um, yeah. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah. With, with, having your your mom you know going through that um what was that experience like for you um because i know um for myself having uh, a parent uh go through uh cancer or any kind of uh disease is, is extremely tough so what was that experience like for you and knowing that it is hereditary did that make a difference on how you viewed it? It did for sure. Um, so I was 15. Uh, my mom was very sick for the first time. And um, it was really tough seeing my mom in the hospital for months at a time, not knowing if she was going to survive. And at one point they told us that she had 24 hours to live. Um, so we... Um, wow. I kind of had to say goodbye, um, thinking that she wasn't going to make it. And my mom is just like such a strong woman and she somehow managed to pull through. Um, and I do, I do regret, um, being that typical teenager at the time where 
I didn't really want to be around. Um, it was hard for me to be at the hospital and see her that way. And I, I would have dealt with it differently if I was a little bit more mature, but I kind of avoided going to the hospital until it became to the point where we realized, well, she may not be around a lot longer. Um, so it was, it was, um, it was definitely one of the hardest times um, of my life up until my own illness. And then, um, so my mom has actually had two liver transplants. So the first- Yeah, what was that like for you? So the first one um, was the scariest, I think, because it was the first time we had gone through it and um, not knowing whether she would make it or not. I, I do recall having some really, really sad moments where I would imagine my life without my mom and that was before I met Zach that was before you know I'd ever thought about kids and I thought how can I go through all this without without my mom um but I'm so fortunate to still have her here and um so it was 13 I believe 13 years later where her and I happened to get sick at the same time and she had her second liver transplant and I had my first um uh sorry what was the second part of your question about um what, just what was the experience like for you and uh with it being hereditary did it make you uh view it a little bit differently a yes. different perspective. yes yeah that was what i wanted to touch on so it was kind of hard to not imagine being that sick like, because that's what happened to her, I kind of assumed that it was going to happen to me, um, even though it was sort of in denial at the same time. Um, I didn't want to think about when it would happen. And I think I thought, well, this may happen to me. I may get really sick and need a liver transplant, but, or, or have some other kind of illness because it's not only the liver it can affect, it can affect other organs too. Um, but I, I kind of took took her situation as if maybe it would happen to me one day, but I honestly didn't think it would happen this early in my life. I thought maybe I would be in my 40s or my 50s like she was when she first got sick. Is that normally kind of when people get diagnosed is in the later ages? Yeah, like I think the diagnosis can happen earlier now that now that HHT is a little bit, a little bit more known, um, the diagnosis can probably happen earlier. Like some of my cousins that are around the same age as me now know that they have it, but I think the symptoms aren't, aren't um, normally to appear until you're later in life, until you're in your forties or fifties. Um, so it definitely was rare for my doctors and my specialists to see me get so ill so early on in my life and there's still no re like they still really haven't been able to give me a good reason um why it happened so young there's they have some theories but there's there's no no one real answer as to why so what are like some of the symptoms that someone may experience or that you experience yourself and what was the experience like? Can you explain what the experience was like um, 
happening within you when you first got diagnosed? Yeah, so symptoms, um, nosebleeds is like the main thing. Um, my family, my mom, my grandma, my sister, we've all had nosebleeds since we can remember. And I think because we all had them, we thought that was normal. We didn't realize it was a symptom. Yeah. Uh, and the other the other main symptom to look for is telangiectasia and what that is is it's basically a malformed blood vessel that is um visible on the skin it sort of looks like a broken blood vessel like just a little okay. spot but if you have them on your nose on your on your lips on your mouth that's a good indication that you have hht oh and there are there's a blood test of course that you can have that will tell you whether you have it or not okay um so the diagnosis yeah 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 um so it's kind of interesting i i knew that i had it uh, probably when i was 16 once they figured out what was going on with my mom they um <clears throat> my spe our specialist family specialist who's in toronto um said well you better get your girls me and my sister into to get the testing done so yearly i go and they do um an mri they do a, a like a liver doppler they they look at basically look at all my organs just to see if there's any evidence of of hht there okay um, but it wasn't until i was and, and I, I guess at that time like i knew that i had it but like i said it, it never really sunk in that it would be such a problem so soon so it was kind of like well i don't have to think about that like they're keeping an eye on me um i may have this disease it may end up getting sick one day but it didn't really hit me hard until i actually started having symptoms and okay. and so that that day i can say that was felt more like a diagnosis than than the actual day where they said you have hht because i was in um, I was probably 21. I think I was 21. And I, uh, that's when I had started having what I thought was stomach pains, it ended up being liver pain, but, um, so, so badly that I had to go to the hospital and, wow. uh, they did an ultrasound. And I remember the, the, they came out, I was waiting with my mom. She was there and they came out and they just said to me, um, your liver looks abnormal and there are innumerable amounts of red dots all over your liver they said a different word but basically they said there's something going on and i just remember mom and i looking at each other because this was after her first transplant and it was yes. we were like okay so this is happening now like this is when it kind of hit us and we realized that now I'm being affected by this and it's causing me pain and this is going to be a problem. And that was probably the day <clears throat> where uh, my life changed the most because I knew what was probably ahead. Um, and I think I got to be honest, that's probably when my depression started. Okay. Yeah. So I want, yeah, let's get a little bit into that. So you get diagnosed and it within that day do you get tell do you get told that you're going to be put on the waiting list for a transplant 
Or do you have to wait for that? Do you have to get a bunch of tests to qualify? Yeah. Uh, like, what's that about? And then once you do get told, what is that waiting experience like? And can you explain kind of what you went through um, before you got told that you, you did have a, a, a liver? Yeah, so it was actually quite a long road from 21 till 29 when I actually had my transplant. Um, <clears throat> so what they tried to do was manage my pain with, um, I believe, with medication to start, pain meds. And as it didn't get better, um, I ended up in the hospital in, in Toronto in St. Mike's. And it was sort of like, you're going to need, you're going to need a transplant, but we're going to try to not do that right now because you're so young. So we're going to put you on this experimental drug. Oh. Um, so I was on this experimental drug, um, for about four years. And this drug was um, made for cancer patients. Um, it was some form of chemotherapy. It's called bevacizumab. And, I mean, it, I felt awful when I first started it, taking this drug, but then I started to feel better. And I felt well enough that I could go back to work. Okay. So I, I went back to work because I was off sick for about a year. Wow. Yeah. I was in the hospital and it took me a long time to recover. And to, to once I started taking the drug, you know, it had side effects and the side effects were not good. Um, and I, I worked through that and it kind of just got to this point where I just couldn't handle it anymore. I couldn't handle the, the side effects. I couldn't handle, um, like throwing up every morning and all the migraines and headaches that I had. Um, and then it eventually just stopped working. And they told me, well, I think this is, you know, we're getting close to maybe you actually needing the transplant. So for you to get have that, you have to get off of this drug for at least a year before you can have a transplant. So Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So I went off of the drug and my health started to decline even more and it was worse this time this time i started to accumulate fluid on my abdomen um up to 13 liters of fluid on my stomach that i had to have drained um i was jaundiced my skin was yellow i lost um all my muscle i was under 100 pounds for sure and um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't work. I couldn't exercise. I stayed at home. Um, my wonderful husband, Zach, stayed working and still managed to come see me all the time at the hospital. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, so it was May of 2015 when they said, okay, we're going to put you on the, the transplant list. And it was, honestly, it was the same month that my mom was on the transplant list too, because at the same time she, her health started to decline. So we're both, we're both sick at the hospital waiting for liver transplants. It was such a bizarre. That's, yeah. I was just going to say that's bizarre that, that, 
that that was like at the same time and same moment and that you guys were kind of experiencing as much as it was a not a fun event or a event anybody you know really going through or go through but it's crazy that you guys were kind of going through that together what were some of the things that you were doing to keep your mind right especially if you were within the hospital and had to stay there i know it's not easy um being stuck there um especially with nurses coming in and out uh did you have a private room and like what were some of the things that you did to you know help yourself with the depression um so Private room, no. I think the nurses did all that they could to put me in a a quiet room. I was often put in a ward, which was four people, um, which is the worst because there's always somebody needing something. Yeah, (laughs) needing something. The lights were always on. Um, But I did try to find that quiet time. Um, I'm very fortunate. I have a very supportive circle of friends and family. That helps tremendously for my mental health um I honestly tried to sleep a lot um I just remember wanting to sleep until it was all over um and I did do some reading um uh, I forget the lady's name but I read these books and they were um they were like meditative meditative books um with mantras um so I would repeat positive things to myself I listened to a lot of Bob Marley um nice yeah 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 three little birds that was a good song I would repeat that because it just um just lifted me up um yeah so I suppose I I had this positive group around me that that kept my spirits well enough that I I kept moving forward and um and and kept believing that I was going to be okay and I think that I think that that was the thing that kept me going was just never letting go of the hope that I'm going to be okay and I'm going to get through this and if I if I don't I mean did having your mom already go through it and, and and survive, even though she was diagnosed with it again or having to go through another surgery, did that give inspiration and hope to you? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, mom and I are so much alike, and I learned that even more so through this experience. And I knew how strong she was, and I just saw that in her, and I thought, well, I can, I can be like that too. And I think that even though we experienced the illness slightly differently, I thought, well, I can, I think that I'm going to get through this because I've seen her do it and I've seen her at the lowest and pull through, even when they told her she wasn't going to make it. Um, so it gave me, that gave me hope too. And it gave me, um, like an example of what could happen. Um, so I think having seen her go through it and having her there by my, literally by my side, um, and to ask questions like, is this normal? I'm feeling like this, or this is happening. What, what's going to happen now? And she, she pretty much had an answer for me. And because she was like, 
in the system and at the hospital and already talking to the doctors, like I kind of had this other person there that was like my advocate. And you really do have to be your own advocate when you're going through something and when you're needing um, healthcare, because that's just the way it is. We have, we do have good healthcare, but you have, you have to be on top of it. You can't expect that your, your doctors are going to, remember everything or um be on time or you know you you have to tell them how you're feeling and stay on top of it and my mom did that the first time she did it the second time and she helped me with it too so yeah it's um that sounds like such a a beautiful a beautiful (laughs) bond that you guys have it really is like inspiring and you know very unique and and incredible and it's 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 good that as much as that it's um like i said not a, a a fun situation to go through it's good that you guys had each other to you know you know lean on um let's go into what it was like for you when you got told that you um were going to receive a liver Okay, so that was such a moment. Um, I was, I was in the hospital at the time. So sometimes you get you're at home sick, and they you get the call that okay, Okay. there's a liver available. I happened to be at the hospital, um, and it was six thirty in the morning, and this nurse came into my room who like wasn't my nurse for the day and nobody Mm -hmm. that I'd ever seen and first of all I thought that was kind of weird yeah she said okay you um Jillian you you may have a transplant today but I just have to let you know that you're the backup patient so the liver's not meant to be for you but we have to have a backup just in case so we're gonna prepare you okay so I had these tests done that you have to have done just to be sure that you, there's no infection and that you're 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 going to be strong enough to ha- to have a transplant. So to be honest, like it was kind of like a muffled excitement, like if I could describe <laughs> it in any way, because it was like holy shit, like yeah. I might actually have this happen. Yes, but I also wanted to contain my my excitement because if they said it's not going to happen today, like it it was such an emotional roller coaster waiting to begin with. And yep. told yeah, it's going to happen, but then no, it would just be like the biggest letdown ever. So I kind of had to like reserve a little bit of that that um excitement and I say excitement because I honestly I was not scared going into this I knew that I could not live my life the way that I was I was days from death so I have to go into this whether I make it or not I've tried I'm doing what I can do um to to get out of this situation um yeah and then, so later that evening, it was 8.30, I hadn't eaten because, you know, you can't eat before a surgery, it's going to happen. No. Laying in bed exhausted, and um, this, 
other man walks into the room that I didn't recognize. <laughs> right away, I'm like, oh, I think it's going to happen because otherwise my nurse would just come in and tell me it wasn't happening. Yep, yep. And, uh, I was so excited. I screamed of joy. I was so oh. happy. And my nurse, um, who I had kind of became friends with, she was hiding behind the curtain um, listening to him tell me the news. And she screamed. She, like, shrieked of joy, too. Oh. Yeah, it was such a, a happy moment. And it was yeah. literally like, okay, you're having a transplant. You need to be in the OR in 30 minutes. So it was like, oh, my God, it's happening. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like, quick time. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing, too, was my mom had had a transplant, her transplant, two weeks prior. So she, okay. So she was in the hospital four floors below me recovering from her transplant and I'm like oh wow I have to, I have to tell my mom so yeah of course put me in a wheelchair and they like wheeled me down to the fourth floor really quick just so I could tell my mom mom it's happening and she was all confused like what are you doing down here and <laughs> like oh my god like it was it was just like a flurry of excitement and confusion and uh yeah it, I have to say like the moment I learned that I, ha I was having the transplant, it was just like excitement and joy. And I was just grateful that it was happening because it, it felt like such a long wait. Um, so, yeah, like I said, May 2015, I was on the list and then I didn't have my transplant until the till the next um, March, beginning of March. So, wow. Yeah, so it was, it was a long quite the time to be waiting, and that must be such a such a toy with the mind back and forth, back and forth, and yeah, and trying to figure out a balance of you know feeling feeling it and and you know owning your feelings, but then also you know trying to be positive and, and have a vision of yourself, you know, not having it and, and overcoming it and living a joyful life. Having that bounce back is it's probably extremely difficult. Yeah. So to have that like moment of like <laughs> it's happening, it was oh I can only imagine. I'm just so I'm so grateful that it happened for you. Um <laughs> Oh, wow. What a, uh, such, so beautiful, especially for your mom to, you know, be able to get to experience that little bit of a moment with you before, you know, you got to go in. Um, yeah. You said you had no fear going into it. Even when the doctor said, was it more of like a, like a, more of a jolt? Like, was did any fear come in, like, at all, like, especially if he told you, like, after telling you that you had it, going into surgery, none of it at all? There was no fear. It was just That's amazing. It was like, I can only go up from here, and if not, I won't even know what's going to happen because I won't be alive. So it was like, I all I know is my life is going to be better from here on out. Like, I I had the I guess I suppose the fear came after my transplant when I was okay. in a lot of pain and like just from having a, such a major surgery um and like learning how to move on from that that's when the fear happened it there was okay. nothing beforehand the fear came like the basically the day after my transplant when I was laying in the recovery unit and I'm like 
at first of all, I was confused. I was on a lot of drugs, but I was like, okay, now what? Like I've been sick. I've been playing this victim for, for at least a year, more like a decade because I, I was sick and yep. I wasn't at my best. Um, how do I move on from this? I have to go back to work. I have, um, to take these drugs now for the rest of my life. What is that going to look like? It's, it's almost like the reality set in that, okay, now I'm not a sick person anymore, but I am a transplant recipient and learning about what that entails and what that means. That was overwhelming too. And learning about having a suppressed immune system and the importance of taking my medication and, you know, protecting myself from, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. Um, this is kind of off topic, but the way that the world is right now, having to sanitize, wear a mask, be careful, you know, avoid germs. That's sort of what it was like. Um, and now it seems like the world has joined me, but <laughs> that was sort of like the reality. It was like, I have to be very careful with my health now. I mean, I always was, but I have to be extra cautious and um, yeah. And so that was like a, that was a big step was, was the, uh, was the so what were, what were some of the, you know, the day-to-day -day steps, um, that you, you took in the beginning to, you know, really allow yourself to overcome that fear of, you know, letting go of, you know, the life that you've known as, like you said, playing victim or, you know, being the person that's on the transplant list or sick or um, how was that um, for you in letting go of that fear and, and transforming into, you know, this new healthy version where, you know, you're really, you know, doing great things, you're, you're winning gold medals and, you know, swimming and all doing all these things. Can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah. So it was a very, very much a day at a time kind of thing. Um, as I had said, like I'd lost all my muscle mass. I was like, after my transplant and I'd lost all the fluid, I was probably close to 90 pounds. So the first thing was to gain back my physical strength. So like I recall doing curls with like one pound dumbbells. I'm not joking and thinking, Oh my gosh, am I ever going to be able to lift five pounds? Yeah. Um, and wow. these sit to stands. And so my very first goal was I want to get strong. I want to gain my muscle back. I want to, um, I want to be able to move again. I felt like I hadn't moved for so long. Um, and kind of like the mental aspect of it, I think, I think I was afraid to, to slide back into a depression because I felt like I had overcome this enormous thing. And yes. the worst thing would be to go backwards and not take advantage and just grab a hold of this new life that I had been given. So I was so determined to stay happy and stay on that high that I was on from having this new life pretty much given to me. Yeah. Um, because up until my transplant, I was on antidepressants and I was adamant that after my transplant, I didn't want to take them anymore because I thought, you know, the reason that I was on them was because I was sad that my health was 
so crappy. So, um, so I got off of these antidepressants and I, um, and don't get me wrong, they were good while, you know, when I needed them, but I was determined to just find that happiness from within. And I totally believe that the exercise that I had gotten into and those goals that I had set for myself really helped to, to bring me out of that place and to really, um, keep me thinking forward and, and focused on my health and my wellness and, and having a positive mindset. And, um, I really found it a lot easier to, um, to see the people in my life that needed to stay. And it was kind of obvious who needed to go. And yes. I think even just having that circle kind of tighten up and um, kind of refined the, the people that I surrounded myself with, it really helped me stay focused on just doing what I needed to do for my own health and just to live a happy life. Yes. Um, so you started really, you know, narrowing down on, on doing things for your health. Um, you went on to become a gold medalist at uh, the transplant games mm -hmm. um, for swimming, I believe. Yep. Um, was swimming a huge part of your recovery? How did you um, get involved in the transplant? Like, how did that all come about? Um, share, yeah. share, 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 because sure. this is inspiring. <laughs> sure. So I got to I gotta give credit to the volunteer at the hospital. I honestly wish I knew who it was, but I, I don't know who he was. But um, I was in the recovery uh, unit, um, transplant unit at, at UH. And this man came into my room and he handed me this pamphlet and it said, World Transplant Games, um, Malaga, Spain in 2017. And I was like, wow. oh, what is this? I never had heard of the transplant games before. Me neither until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll look at this. So I, I opened it up and I saw all the sports listed and I swam as a kid. I swam for like... I think I was four when I started swimming and then I, I stopped swimming when I was about 15 years old. Um, okay. So I had a good base. And I remember looking at this pamphlet and seeing that swimming was one of the sports. And I was like, I'm going to get back into swimming. Like it just, I just kind of like this thought just swooped into my brain and it never left. And nice. yeah. And so that was my first goal. I was like, I want to go to the transplant games in Spain. Like how cool would that be? So amazing. So literally, I had my I had my transplant in March. I I got a Y membership in May, and I went back to the pool. And I remember jumping in and did one length, and I was like, "Oh, I have a long way to go," because that was really hard. And I <laughs> was quite fit at that time and wasn't very strong. But yep. Um, up until you know the pandemic started, I haven't been out of the water. Um, since since that day like I've been religious about about my swim practice um I started with a, a, a triathlon team and um that was really fun I, I I got into a bit of running and cycling and and again surrounded myself with these like 
people that were very focused on on uh, the sport and it kind of yeah. got me like into it and really excited um and that brought me to um so my transplant was 2016 so that brought me a year later i went to the games in spain um and i at that at that games those games i won two silver medals uh in swimming and uh and it just made me want to keep going and i um I decided, you know, this is going to be a thing that I want to keep doing. Um, and Canada has their own transplant games. So the next year I went to Vancouver, British Columbia, and uh, I had gotten a lot better at swimming in, in that year. I won five gold medals at the Canadian wow. Games. Four of them were in the pool. One of them was the 5K run. And then... That's, uh, so, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then, yeah, how did it, like, how did it feel, especially like you know, being like in your own country? Like that's it was that um, must feel good. It was amazing, and uh, it's a bit different being in Canada than than having the games, um, you know, in a different part of the world. Um, there's kind of a different vibe. It feels like more. Uh, I mean, it's all friendly competition, but in Canada, it felt even more like friendly competition because like at the world games we'd be all on the same team so um and there's similar people that go to the games so it was just really so much fun and to be surrounded by all of these athletes who have been in a very similar situation is just like indescribable to to, yeah. to make connections with with people that have stories that are kind of just as crazy as mine and um the bond is just you know it'll last forever and we we've made zach and i we've made friends with with people that i know our friendships will last a lifetime because you know they're just such special people that have have been through so much and and we share that in common and yes that connection's there yeah and just the same like the same we have the same sort of passion and and um what's the word grateful attitude towards towards life um because we're given yeah. the second chance that energy that energy is is the same there's got that it's got the same vibe within it yeah yeah grateful. yeah um so what is a day for you like training like what is your nutrition like what is what's a day for training for you what does that look like? Like COVID-19 style or like? <laughs> uh, let's say before. So let's say uh, when you were training before, like um, how, like how has it progressed over the years? Like how, okay. what was it like when you first started out? Like when you first decided you're going to go to the games and okay. like how has it progressed over the years? I would honestly say it's gotten a little more serious. Um, so when I first started, it was, I mean, I, I've, I've always had this competitive nature, but it, it's gotten stronger over the years. Um, and I would say like, so last summer, 2019, um, uh, I was training for the, the world transplant games that took place in England. So I went to those okay. and leading up to those games, um, especially in the summer, I trained twice a day. So I would get up in the morning and I would swim 
for an hour and then I would have a lunch break and that I would schedule for myself in my work day <laughs> and I'd go back to the pool and swim for another hour and um up until uh pretty much continued to do that I wasn't always able to to swim twice a day but I swim six days a week and I incorporated started to incorporate strength training um after the games in 2017 okay so I feel like that has really helped a lot too I've I've not only got a solid cardio base, but I feel a lot stronger now too. Yeah. Um, so Zach's been great. He helps me with my programming for my strength workouts. Um, awesome. Yeah. So a day in the life is like definitely a swim. I try to fit in a strength workout twice a week. Um, I try to do some stretching a couple times a week too. So there's not a day that goes by where I don't do something for my training. And a lot of it is like mental training too. Like I, I always pushing myself to um, just, I, I wouldn't say push myself like too hard, but um, to the point of hurting myself, but I definitely don't let myself get off too easy. No, like you guys, <laughs> you, you, both you and Zach really like push yourselves and like the way that you guys kind of move your body, I would say, like you definitely try and get your body to move as fluently and and in different position and and as humanly yeah. as possible like you guys are doing handstands and, <laughs> yeah. and doing all these crazy like mobility <laughs> moves so i definitely i know you're, you're definitely trying to keep your body like as fluently and as moving as possible yeah and balanced for sure yes yeah. yes yes um what's it like to like what's it like to have a husband like Zach that, you know, that is so in, into health himself and, and movement and what's it like to have his, you know, support and, and love throughout the whole experience that you've, you know, you went through. I, I consider myself so lucky, so blessed and, um, and just so forever grateful to have, somebody like Zach in my life because he is so solid and like I always know what to expect from Zach and it's always he's always himself he's always there he's always supporting me I'm never afraid to talk to him or tell him what my goals are because I know he's going to be behind me um and I, I I'm so so fortunate that I've got somebody like that because I think that the dynamic between the two of us works really well. I think initially he really inspired me to to be stronger, not just focus on cardio, but like to to work out. Like what, even when I met Zach, he was into working out, and like that was. I mean, it's evolved over time, but he yeah um, he always valued his time at the gym, and and I always let him have that because if he's been to the gym he was happy to be around me and if, yeah. he, if I took that away from him that wouldn't have worked so nope. and then I think as I've gotten healthier and after my transplant I mean I've never really said this and maybe he's never said it to me but I think I inspire him now too you definitely do and and we don't really talk about it quite so much but I think um I think we kind of inspire each other. Like I see him doing his thing and it makes me want to, oh, well, well I got to get my workout into. And 
he probably sees me, you know, working out sometimes two, three times a day. Um, and I think he's like, oh, well, I got to keep up to you. I've heard him say that before. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, you are definitely um, an inspiration to him. And how I knew a little bit uh, about what you had gone through was uh, at a meeting that we all had for the coaches and Corey had us go around and say what we were grateful for. And Zach said, you, your health. He said, I'm, I'm grateful for my wife's health. You know, she had transplant and she's been doing really good ever since. And so you were, uh, you were his, his thing that he was grateful for. So you definitely are an inspiration to him all the time. Um, so you should, you should feel that, um, he definitely loves you. You can see it every time he talks about you. So yeah. you definitely, um, bring strength to him as well. So, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, it, yeah, <laughs> I, I love, I love love. So I'm just, <laughs> I love, I love seeing when people truly, you know, love each other and really, you know, have that connection of, really wanting you know each other to be present within who each other's are like the real selves and i can i can just tell that you know you guys really want each other to show up authentically and and you guys love each other unconditionally because you guys value that that support system of yeah. you know i got you you know how however you show up and that's yeah. that's inspiring to see and and i really love it so I'm a huge fan of love, so I'm I'm I cheer for you guys. Um, let's go back to the games when you were standing on that podium with that medal. What were some of like your thoughts, your feelings? Like, did you have any like flashbacks of like, wow, like just like you know a year ago, I I was you know in a hospital bed. Like, what was that like for you? Yeah. Um... So my first medal at the Transplant Games in 2017, I was crying on the podium. I was so happy. Uh, I was. I would be too. I like couldn't believe that I had actually made it there. First of all, like I had this like quick thought of this. Oh, I'm gonna go to the. I want to go to the games in in Spain, and then it happened. It's like that in itself it was hard to believe and then standing on the podium thinking I yeah like you just said I was dazed from death I was in a hospital bed like a year before and now I am swimming and winning medals at a at an international event um and I did have that flashback and I can still picture myself laying in the hospital bed recovering from my transplant and picturing the vision that I had of being on the podium it was like it's like I was on the podium and picturing me there picturing where I was like it was so wow so wild <laughs> to, it's like it all came together it was really it was really crazy yeah <laughs> wow Oh, <laughs> and that so, I lasted for for you know it never never it hasn't gone away. <laughs> that that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so what are like 
you know, since having your surgery and, you know, you know, accomplishing your goals of attending, you know, the world games and other games within the, what are your goals now? And like, what are you doing to um, achieve them? Cause you also are like a hair, like a hairdresser. Yeah. Um, what got you into, you know, that field as well? Like, how did that incorporate into your life? Was it something that you've always wanted to do? Was it something you fell into? Um, like, how did that come about? Because you own your own business, right? I do. Um, I hadn't always. So I actually, I I was always interested in, in hair. Um when I was a, a kid, I, I mean, I played Barbies, but I only ever played with their hair. And I think that was like, <laughs> that was like the first indication that that was what I was meant to do. Um, yeah. And I've always been a cre very creative person. And so that was like the outlet for me. And uh, when I finished high school, I took a year off and um, kind of to think just, is this really what I want to do? And it was. Um, I worked, I worked in a salon downtown, a couple different salons actually for, uh, close to a decade. And then it was right around the time where I was really sick and was off work where I really decided that, you know, working in that environment, um, it was busy. There was a lot of, a lot of people, um, and it just, it, I never felt like I really fit in. And I, I always felt like I was a different kind of hairstylist and, okay. um, I didn't want to work in the way that somebody else wanted me to work. I wanted yep. to do it my own way. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that running my own business was going to be hard and, and I didn't think that I had that kind of entrepreneurial, like, um, aspect about myself, but turns out turns out it's better this way for me to, to run my own, um, run my own show and kind of it and make my own, um, make my own rules really. And, yeah. um, and it ties in really well with my lifestyle and, and my swimming and my training because, um, I can, I can make sure that I have time for that and make yep. sure that I have time for recovery and, I don't start work early enough that it interferes with my swimming and, and I have time to do both. And, um, and I think my clients, um, appreciate that because, um, kind of like what I said about Zach, like, you know, you take care of yourself first and then you can be there for other people. So yes. I just think that it's been the healthiest choice, um, for me, um, to be able to work this way. So. Uh, so what are what are some of your like what are some of your goals with like your training are there like I know with the whole COVID thing coming yeah. up like before COVID were there was there a game that like were there more games that you had planned on going to yeah um, are they postponed like what what what's next what for you yeah yeah and what happened so <clears throat> so there was supposed to be um provincial masters championships and national masters championships in the spring those were both canceled so that was that was kind of that was a letdown for sure um yeah and then i was also training for 
the next World Transplant Games that were supposed to be next summer in Houston, Texas, and they've already been canceled. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the uncertainty of, of the way things are right now, to, to gather thousands of immunosuppressed um, transplant recipients is just... Not, know, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to, to move forward with those plans. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's no... there's there's no like word about where the next ones are going to be. Um, but I plan to be there. Um, I hope that, you know, this, that COVID-19 gets, you know, we can figure it out so that we can kind of make plans and, and move forward. Um, I do have a plan for, um, for next year. I can't give all the details quite quite yet because it's it's not set in stone but I do have a marathon swim planned for for next uh next summer so oh that's exciting yeah so the 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 swim that I have to do this year just to test and see if it's possible is uh it's a 25 kilometer uh swim in the open water so um I'm training for that currently so, where do you where do you train for that? Like where do you like do you, where do you go out, like just here at Port or where do you go to practice like that open water feel? Um, so the easiest is Port Stanley. It's the closest, um, and there's a good stretch from the pier down to like Erie's Rest. So it's like it's about two kilometers down one way. So I can go back and forth that way. Okay, um, and it's it's similar water to the to the lake in body of water that I plan to do my swim, my big swim in. So, um, that helps. <laughs> yes. But most of my training is done at the pool. It's just the most convenient. It allows me to get there every day. Um, but you know, closer to the, to the, the day where I actually do the, the big swim, I, I will need to spend more time at the lake just to familiarize myself with like, you know, open water. Which would be all of it. Yeah. Different than swimming in a pool for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so can you, what are some of like the fun things that, uh, you have set out for yourself, you know, since, you know, getting diagnosed, having your transplant, like what are some life experience, you know, outside of, um, you know, training and stuff that, you had set out to do and and have accomplished can you share some like stories some traveling some yeah. any of those yeah um that was always something uh while i was sick that i wanted to do like i know when you're you're unable to do something it makes you want to do it more so traveling for sure was was at the top of my list and and zach also loves to travel so we had these like these dreams of of going places and um and I gotta say the highlight was Bali um we went to Bali was it last year yeah it was last year we went to Bali um for three weeks and I mean we did train when we were there we did kind of like a week of training but aside from that it was an amazing trip that we had together um we met some really really cool people um Zach and I also just love going to the beach, so we spent yeah. a lot of time by the water. We've been to Cuba, we've been to, um, we've been to the Dominican. Um, we've got, you know, other dreams to go to Costa Rica and 
and back to Bali one day. Um, but uh, Bali is such a special place and it was so cool to be there because it was, you know, it was part of the dream of having my life back and, and being healthy and being able to get on a plane and go that far and, and trust that my health would be okay. And, and just to be there with Zach was, was so cool. And yeah. What training did you guys do? Uh, so we did a week with, um, I think there were, there were four different um trainers so miguel uh santana he's a, a world-renowned hand balancer so we did um a handstand handstand workshops um, nice. we did um so it was a week long and every day we had different um like segments of training so it was hand balancing uh flow was the other one with john yoon he's on instagram um, okay. He he just does these really. I can't really describe. It's kind of like these really fluid um, movements, um, spinal waves. Um, just a very different approach to movement. Really cool to music. Oh, um, check them out. Yeah, yeah, you should. And um, playing around with different points of contact on the floor. Um, and then we did some hand to hand, which is kind of like. Um, kind of like circus stuff where it's you do sort of like partner poses partner yoga so okay. meaning like you're supporting each other so neat um, yeah so like zach was oftentimes the base and it would support me into a pose kind of a thing so yeah what that a was, cool experience it was such a cool experience to have together what and, a, yeah as you say what a what a way to like connect and really you know, give each other that feel of like I support you, yeah. you support me. Like we're really, yeah. we're yeah. really having to like you know beautify yeah. right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, and that was kind of I think the amazing thing about that trip was like we knew that we were su supporting each other, and and he's always been there for me, and I've been there for him. But being in Bali together, it kind of just like and having that experience of the training together and just traveling that far, it just really like solidified our, our relationship and just exactly what we, we had been doing the whole time. It was sort of like we had gotten through this crazy time where I almost lost my life. And then we came together and we're just like supported and, yes. through it and we had fun and we met amazing people and, yeah, it was like just like you guys were anchored in. Yeah, and, and that that experience just kind of like sealed it all. It was so great. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I just have a couple more questions for you. Sure. Within like all that you have gone through within your life, um, you've really had to show resilience, and I just want to know what does that word mean to you, and and can you describe that? resilience oh uh yeah the the ability to um kind of keep keep going when things are tough and kind of um be able to pick out the positive in in what maybe only seems like um things are going wrong and just just like focusing in on that light and not not letting it out of your sight 
and being able to bounce back from from um, disappointments or challenges and obstacles. And I'm really grateful that I've been able to um, to have the opportunity to um, to keep moving forward and 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 that I've been able to keep the mindset of wanting to stay resilient and and be there and be that strong person for Zach too, somebody who's been by my side the whole time. And um, yeah. yeah, and and just having the resilience to um, to sometimes realize that the the negative things that have happened or the, the, the bad things that have happened in your life, in my life, haven't actually all been that bad because it's led me to where I am now. And as I've said this before, it sounds weird. I wouldn't take any of it back because as awful as it was, I am grateful for where it's led me and to, to the person that I am now. And yeah. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't really want to know where I would have been otherwise. I think that I'm in a better place. I think I'm in the best place that I could be right now, um, even through all of that. So Wow. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful and really inspiring and, and touching. And I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on, you know, not wanting to change things because um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Peter Crone, but he's extremely inspiring. And he he said something the one day and I was just like, wow. And it was like so simple, but so profound. And it was just it was as everything in life happens the way that it happens. Why? Because that's the way that it happened. And it's just like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like you sit there and you're like, what? And then, but if you really just really let that sink in, it really allows you to think even of the things in your past, yeah. things the, way that, the, the things that happened in your past, they happen the way that they did. Why? Because, well, that's the way that they happened. Things are happening now the way that they're happening. Why? Because that's the way that they're happening. And it's just like, whoa it's just so yeah. mind baffling it's like fireworks going off after you really allow it to settle in and yeah. it's just little things like that are just so yeah if you just you just got to be grateful for everything because it is a lesson and within the sun and the rain you it's delivering what you're supposed to be delivered within yeah. your life yeah um where can my listeners find you uh, you could find me on Instagram. You could find me on Facebook. I think everything's open. So my name is Jillian Best. Uh, my Instagram handle is Jillian underscore Best. And if you really want to chat, you can email me or send, awesome. send me a personal message. Uh, JillianBest87 mm-hmm. at com. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very open to talking to people if, if, you know, you have questions or, I don't know, need, need help or <laughs> need some yes. inspiration, I'm, I'm happy to give it to you. <laughs> well, I have one more question for sure. you. And, um, before I say, uh, ask you, I do want to just say, you know, thank you so much for being so open and transparent with your story. It truly does 
um, help anybody else that may be, you know, going through something um, similar or, you know, the same and just, you know, really allows people to, you know, know that they're not alone and that there are others out there um, that can overcome it, that can, you know, survive and push through. So, Thank you so very much for, you know, all that you're doing um, to stay healthy. I am extremely grateful for um, all that you got to um, accomplish uh, within the games, your gold medals. But I'm also extremely grateful that uh, you pulled through, that, you know, you got that transplant and that you're doing so um, incredible. So thank you so much. You are truly making an impact. Um, even uh, through your, even through your husband, you make an impact. Um, so thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, my final question is: What is your perspective on positivity? Hmm. I think that positivity goes a long way. Um, it's definitely something that I try to keep in the forefront of my life. Um, I mean, I think it's important to feel all the emotions, but I do think that having a positive attitude um, only generates more positivity in your life. And I think that um, trying to be positive, if you're not naturally a positive person, is a good place to start. Like, even if you have to pretend, um, you know, that that things are great, I think it's a good way to. Um, to attract just the better, the better vibes, the, the happier people, the more positive people into your life. I think that, um, yeah, I just think it, it's a healthier way to live. And, um, I don't think we really get very far by dwelling on the negative. I think it only brings us down. So, um, yeah, I'm all for positivity. I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really a good quality to have. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I really like that. Um, once again, thank you so much. Um, you enjoy the rest of your night. Um, I cannot wait uh, for everybody to, to listen in on this. Um, it's truly inspiring, and I really believe it's going to connect with a lot of people. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the platform to talk. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Wow, wow, wow. Wasn't that just so incredibly touching and profound and raw and real and honest? Man, Jillian is such a, a warrior and her transparency and pure energy is truly magnificent and she is such a gift to the world and to everyone she comes in contact with and I'm just so happy that she uh, said yes to joining me on the podcast and giving you guys such a wonderful um, inspiring real story of of what someone goes through uh, when facing uh, a transplant and, and such a disease that can take over you know the entire family with it being hereditary if you guys liked this episode please let us know 
by tagging us in the socials. Instagram at Jillian underscore best and at Sparkplug Wellness. Let us know what you guys think. Also on Facebook, Candace Axford and Jillian Best. Please also rate and review this podcast. It truly does help get my guests value, insights, and stories out to many, many more listeners and individuals who might just need what they are providing. It also allows me to know that I'm on the right track of giving you guys what you guys want to hear. Thank you guys so very much, whether this is your first listen or you are a continuous listener. Thank you guys so very much for your support. It truly does mean everything to me. It makes me so happy to be able to provide you guys with these episodes. It is now time to go out and be positive and do something positive. Mm-hmm.